Welcome, welcome to North Shore Nine Idol. I'm going to be your host today, Jim Rosati. You know, they always save the best for last, so we save the best NS9 host for the last one of these of the first round. So um, with me today, you know, we had an odd number of contestants. So so joining us today, we've got we've got Neil and we've got Cody Coleman. Some of you may know Cody from our esteemed NS9 bets program that we've got going on so cody is here to uh to kind of fill in the additional role but uh let's let's just kind of kick it off again north shore nine idol this is our third episode of the of the first round i guess you could say um neil let's let's start off with you so quick introduction um name where you're from and 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 why you want to why you want to be the next uh north shore nine podcast yeah yeah. Of course. So yeah, my name is Neil and uh, I'm from Virginia, R- originally grew up in DC, moved down to the Richmond area. Um, and I think that I want to talk about this because I've been obsessed with the Pirates since I was about like five years old and being in Rich- being in Virginia for all these years, I don't really have that many people to talk with them about. And so they don't really understand, understand the pain about it and what goes along with this. So, you know, having, having a place I could, talk and yell about the pirates sounds like a lot of fun and a good way to you know vent off some steam but yeah um yeah that's pretty much the end of it you know what that's 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 pretty much the exact same reason why i like to do what i do because (laughs) like no one here wants to talk about the pirates so might as well find a couple people who do right no that's that's awesome it's it's like cincinnati south so right yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh no we appreciate you coming on uh best of luck tonight excited excited to listen, listen to you tonight um and then cody like i said some of you may know cody coleman but uh cody quick introduction name where you're from why are you a pirates fan uh i'm cody i i like the pirates because i was born to be miserable i guess uh I'm I'm the youngest quote unquote member of North Shore Nine, so I've only ever known sadness. Um, but yeah, Pirates fan because I, I grew up in Beaver, PA. It's about 25, 30 minutes away from the North Shore. Anytime there's nothing to do in the summertime, my dad picked us up and took us to the ballpark. So that's why I'm a fan and still a fan living in New Jersey. So it's really tough. They, it's really nice. tough hanging out with all the Yankees and Mets fans, though. They they get on my last nerve. I can I can imagine that big uh, big Jason Kendall guy. You are you got some huge some some Kendall stuff in the background there, right? I, I it's not hung up, but I do uh, have. You moved. You might you, be able. To, oh, you can't see it that way. It's not your it's normal setup. No, I did move, but I have my Jason Kendall poster still in the frame. All right. it's, it's over here. I got my Kendall. Uh, I think it's. What, what was it? I think I showed it to you. It's a 10 out of 10 uh, PSA Kendall rookie card. There you go. Big Jason Kendall guy. Yeah. He is who him and him and Brian Giles were who I fell in love with growing up. Yeah. I, I was a generation after my, my big guys were uh, Jack Wilson and uh, Freddie and Jason Bay and Freddie Sanchez. Like those were the guys I grew up. See, with. I mix into both. Yeah. Like, I probably can't tell you I've been to a Brian Giles, Jason Kendall game. But I know I've seen Freddie Sanchez and Jack Wilson play. Yeah, I, I, those were the guys. The other two are the ones that mm-hmm. that's who they branded the team around when I just got into it. So it's like that was the Pirates to me. 
Well, like the first baseball game I ever played was MVP Baseball 2004 for PC. And yeah. so Jason Kendall and Brian Giles were like my two favorites. They were always right. on the team. They were always the best players. They were the only good players you got at the beginning of the game. So, yeah, they're, they're great. <laughs> I also, no, I also think baseball that is a good, good game. Yeah, I was also a it, Pokey it, Reese guy just for the namesake, Pokey Reese, you know. There hasn't been a better baseball game since in the MVP series. I don't know how right. they haven't topped it yet. It's been 20 years. <laughs> it was pretty good. It was solid. So, all right. Well, the uh, thanks. Yeah, thank you guys again for coming on here, Cody. We appreciate you helping us out here with uh, with the show. But uh, let's let's kind of dive right into it. So the way the format's going to be here, we've got each uh, each person's going to bring a topic to the show. Um, we've got another topic that that I'm going to bring up here towards the end. Um, and then we'll, we'll follow up with some, some takes here at the end, but first let's kind of just start off, Neil, what is the topic that you are bringing to the show? Okay. So I got this a little bit of inspiration from actually the last North shore nine idol that I watched because I actually disagreed. And it was the, the topic of the pirates pitching depth in their, um, farm system, because I actually think it's the biggest strength that Sherrington has brought to the table. And I actually think that the hitting has been is pretty lackluster, but pitching I think is actually in a really really good spot. And I'll explain what I mean. So like right now in AAA, we have three big guys who are ready to come up and are going to make their debut sometime this year. Whenever Sherrington decides that their service time has been manipulated enough, and that's a uh, Ortiz, Luis Ortiz, um, Quinn Priester, and Michael Burrows. And then so I don't expect all three of those guys to hit. Um, I'm kind of bullish on Burroughs um, the most, but like because of how valuable, and we're seeing this in the free agent market right now, pitching is expensive and the Pirates yeah. are not going to pay for it. You know, we just put out a promo video hyping up Vince Velasquez. Oh my God. <laughs> and so if the Pirates are going to be successful, it is going to be based off their pitching. And I actually think that there's actually a lot of talent in the system. And then like, then in the last couple drafts, I think we have some really good young guys. So I'm a huge Bubba Chandler fan. I'm a little upset. He's not sticking to hitting because he was awful at hitting at a ball. I, I think he struck out 50% of the time. Um, Anthony Solomito and um, Joe, Joey Harrington, who we just drafted in the 22 draft. And so um, I actually think that if there is hope for this Pirates team, and I am one of the most pessimistic people about the Pirates around, there is actual hope to be had in this pitching staff it, for, for the future. To add to Contreras and Keller and well, maybe Brubaker, but I don't know if Brubaker is going to be sticking around for much longer. All right. All right. I like this topic. Um Cody, I know you're not as big of a prospect guy as you are a major league guy, but right. uh, I mean, throw in your two cents there. I mean, I know you, you've got, you know, about Priester. You saw Ortiz at the end of the year. Right, um, right. So, what are your thoughts? I want to go back to, you know, the promo video and the Pirates promoing <laughs> things. <sighs> you know, it's kind of like our biggest thing, you know, around the holiday season was buy our dirt, come buy our dirt. <laughs> so that we can afford <laughs> mediocre talent. They deleted that. They did? I didn't know they that. They deleted the tweet. <laughs> That's awesome. I love it. I didn't know that. That is funny. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, when it comes to prospects, I feel like the problem, as someone who's not deep into it, I don't know how these guys perform or whatever. I just know they're big names. 
And the problem I see is there's too much patience with bringing these guys through the system. Uh, we saw it with Cruz last year. It's like, why wasn't he on the opening day roster? There's no reason not to put him on it. Obviously, as the season kind of went on before he came up, people were like, ah, oh, maybe there is some, some reason why he's not there. But once he showed up, he showed up. So I think that's the biggest thing that we've had a problem with over the years is that we're too patient with prospects. We're not willing to take a chance early on them. And, I, I of course, it's because of money, contracts, whatever. But, I mean, look at, like, the Braves and all, all these teams that they bring up these guys, and they're like, all right, we got you young. We, we still have the case to say that you may not pan out, so we can give you a decent contract for a long period of time. And we don't have to pay you an Aaron Judge, Bryce Harper, Trey Turner type contract. So that's something that I think that the Pirates don't really try to expand on. And it's really hurting. And I agree with this because like Ben Sherrington is kind of not consistent with this because he's gone on record and saying once a prospect hits double A, he's no longer a prospect. He treat he said that he treats triple A and double A basically the exactly the same in terms of development. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it does go back to money because as much as I don't like Sherrington um manipulating service time, because that's what happened. It happened with Cruz, it happened right. with Contreras. They they sent down Jack Suwinski the last day before his service time kicked in, so that yeah. he couldn't get that year of service. And it's, it comes down to the owner where like Ben Sherrington's like, all right, I don't have a good team. I'm not going to be able to spend on a good team. So I have to be able to keep these guys around for as long as possible. And that's why we're going to see Endy down until July. We're going to see Davis down until July. Priester, who wants to win Rookie of the Year, he's going to be down until July. I think even Luis Ortiz won't start on the opening day roster. And so like it is a catch-22 where like it's inconsistent. It almost feels like a slap in the face to the fans especially after that uh, press conference where they extended Hayes and Ben goes on record and says, it's time to focus on the MLB product now and to keep your best players, your best future talent in the minors while this happens, you know, like we want to watch good baseball. And so, yeah, you're right. We're too patient and we end up pissing people off. Like we're going to, like, I I am terrified. We're not going to be able to extend Cruz because of how we handled it last year. Right. So I think that's a good point. And, and, and yeah, I mean, we can, we can kind of go, we can go on for a while about, you know, is it, is it smart baseball? Is it ethically the right thing to do? You know, there's, there's a lot of nuances to this, right. Um, Going back to your original point there, Neil, kind of curious, just your thoughts. So, so, you know, you mentioned Ortiz, Priester, Burroughs kind of right on the doorstep there with the pitching. Mm -hmm. Um, I guess my one concern with the pitching depth that has been uh, created is that, you know, a lot of these guys, none of these guys really were top five picks, top 10 picks. Like these aren't impact Mm -hmm. arms that were taken right out of the draft. So it is nice to have seen, you know, the development of Luis Ortiz, the development of Quinn Priester, you know, Quinn Priester was a first round pick, but you know, he's kind of towards the middle of the middle of the round, Um, the development of Mike, Mike Burroughs. So it's nice to see those guys develop into the prospects that they've become. Are you maybe somewhat worried though that like, yeah, they all look good in that. I think all three are going to be major league pitchers, you know, probably at least two are going to be major league starters, but like, is there an, is there like that ACE 
Like, is there an ace down yeah. there right now? Um, and if there is one, it's either Luis Ortiz or Ronzi Contreras. If there is one in that pack, but that is the big issue is that while we've accumulated a lot of good arms, we don't, I wouldn't classify any of the arms we have as great at the moment. I feel like that if Ronzi wants to become a great pitcher, there is a lot that he has to change in his game, like where he throws the ball, developing a third pitch because, you know, but and like you know, Luis Ortiz isn't a finished product either. So, I do agree with the fact that we don't have an ace. I would counter that by saying that the Pirates, when they were good, you know, we had Cole in 2015, but in 2018, 2014, 2013, we didn't really have an ace. We just put together five solid pitchers who gave you range from three to four ERA gave you a chance to go out and win every single game. You've got, you got what Edison Volquez, you got AJ Burnett, Francisco Liriano, Ivan Nova. None of those guys like blew the doors off anything, but they were above average pitchers. And so I feel like if you can get an, a rotation of five solidly above average pitchers, like especially in a weak division, like the NL central is right now, that should get us playoffs. Um, And so, and then, you know, you hope that Solomito Chandler can develop into those stars because we underslotted in the draft to get those guys because we're so confident in their ability. So you're kind of hoping that these 19-year-olds develop, and that's a question for three years down the line. But it is a weakness, and it is a concern because the only way we're going to get like an ace is if we trade for it, and I don't see that happening because we're not paying if, if we're not paying 12 million a year for Quintana, we're not paying for the top end ace talent. You don't see any uh, two-year, $86 million Justin Verlander-type contract coming down the road? Uh, well, maybe if in 20 years when Bob's daughters own the team and they actually want to spend money, maybe. I haven't heard great things about, about them either. Um, I, I can't say I know a single thing about them. I'm kind of hoping that they just sell the team when, when they get yeah, control right. of it. Um, no, I, I think that's a good point. And, and you brought up, you know, when the pirates were good, 2013, 2014, 2015, like in 2015, Garrett Cole, I think hey. finished top three Cy Young. But uh, we, we, we did get Garrett Cole at in 2015. And like, he yeah. was that guy. Liriano in 2013 was really good too, but you know, a, a good pitcher. Like he was, a, he was a really good pitcher. Um, but no, you're right. I think, um, I think a team of, five number three starters is is a it can, can make the playoffs like that's that's a good rotation and probably it, enough to win 90 games i it probably gets you like you know it probably doesn't get you to a world series yet but i think that's where you have to tr- like it do we have confidence in the development so far like so like is the development of the pitchers right now with how you know Ben Sherrington at the moment seems to be able to develop pitching better than Neil Huntington did as much as I prefer Huntington to Sherrington. I would like, um, you know, would you say that like, it's a process that we can trust because if it is, then maybe we can see one of these guys develop into that ACE we need when we need a win in game five, the NLDS or something like that. What are your thoughts, Cody? I spaced out. <laughs> no, so I would, um, I, I would, I would definitely say that 
I think it's a little too early to say like what Sherrington's good at and what Sherrington's not good at as far as like developing prospects goes. Yeah. We have seen some success obviously with Contreras, but like how much of that was before he got traded? How much of that was after he got traded? Um, obviously what we saw from Luis Ortiz is, you know, the development staff deserves all the credit in the world for, for mm-hmm. him there. Um, you know, Priester has always been a top 100 prospect. So like as he's, matured through the minor leagues he's taken the necessary steps at each level Mm -hmm. um but i don't is that expected i I don't know so i guess i'm i'm to the point where i i think the jury's still out on like can we develop pitchers or not that's fair i i do like um like i like the early signs that we're seeing out of you know solomito in particular Mm -hmm. Bubba Chandler, the stuff looks great. He's just in very unpolished, and you're probably not talking about a guy who's going to help out this team. Help out this team before like 2026. Yeah, I think 2025 is like the earliest we'd see Solomita or Chandler. I mean, and I would also say that, you know, Michael Burroughs was on absolutely no one's radar two, three years ago, and he cracked Baseball America's top 100 list this past, like over the last season. And so hopefully, I, I guess like it's my hope and kind of like my sanity is hinging on the fact that if they're developing this well in the minors, that that will translate to the majors. Because if not, I feel like we're in for another four years of very, very bad baseball. Yeah, no, I hear you. And, and I, 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 you know what? I agree with you that as far as from like a, uh, from a depth standpoint, like they've built a pretty solid starting pitching depth, especially they're in that upper level of the minors. So like I said, we've got three starters now kind of banging at the door, either with big league experience or sitting right there at AAA that, that are hopefully going to be uh, impacting this team in the, in the near future. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I mean, and I think it always depends, like, you know, are they going to manipulate like Burroughs more than they are Priester? Cause I think I'm, I'm kind of like hoping that like they treat Burroughs like Jack Suwinski where they just call him up as a position of need, let him feel out the majors. But yeah, I mean, I don't think we're going to see any of those guys until July mostly. And it's a shame because <laughs> we're going to have to watch Vince Velasquez and Bryce Wilson make 30 starts this season. I'm going to lose my mind. <laughs> so I've, I've discussed something similar to this with Denardo before. And I think it actually was on one of the post game shows. And it was that, you know, the pirates get all this uh, praise for how good they're, their minor league teams are, how, how good double-A is and triple-A is, and how good the the quote-unquote development is. And I asked him, I said, like, if the development's so good, why aren't we promoting those coaches? Like, why aren't, we, why aren't the Pirates hiring them? And to that point, he told me, he was like, well, maybe the talent's actually what's doing it and not the development. Maybe the coaches in, in the minors aren't as good as we give them credit for Maybe the talent's just that good that they're able to dominate at that almost like that. I wouldn't say semi-pro, but you know the AAA, it, yeah. AA level that it doesn't translate to the MLB because there's more problems than just talent at that level in the organization. So that's that's my two cents in the conversation. Okay. Well, I would not be opposed just because I genuinely believe that besides whoever the Tigers hitting coach was last year, we have the worst hitting coach and the worst right. hitting philosophy in the big leagues. Like yes. <laughs> watching a guy like O'Neill Cruz watch fastballs 
down the heart of the plate repeatedly mm-hmm. last year was driving me up a wall. That was and I, I hated it. Didn't we like set like a record for pirate like most strikeouts in the mm-hmm. season in Pirates history? Oh yeah, absolutely. And like, it was I, it was done very quickly. Like there were say, we'd many be games. It. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And yeah. so I actually do agree that I mean maybe not promoting those players, those coaches, but we really do need to do a better job at. Our, and that's that was kind of my at, point. Is at, it at, not at our too... major league at our major league yeah. level coaching? And I mean, I actually like Oscar Marin. I don't know how you guys feel about Oscar, but right. I think he's actually done a pretty good job turning around guys like Brew Baker. I think he's made Brew Baker a solid back end pitcher. He's I think he's helped Keller a lot, especially with the mental aspect of his game. Because we were watching games in 2021 where Keller was just checked out in the first and like as soon as something went wrong, he was out of it, and so. I feel like Marin does deserve a lot of praise for working with absolute scraps and actually turning. And I'll even give him credit because Bryce Wilson looked like a serviceable starter toward the end of last year. He wasn't great, but considering the stuff that Bryce Wilson has, I think it was about as good as we could ever expect. Right. Absolutely. Right. And the point that I had there was that bringing, like bringing up those coaches isn't going to help. No, you're fine. I can see how it's confusing. I was confused at first when I talked about it too. But the point is that it's not the talent that's the problem. It's the coaching in the major leagues that's the problem. And we're not – like even if we did bring up those coaches from the minors, it's not going to change. There just needs to be better coaching in the majors. To uh, Someone who is able – who has experience and is able to manage at the major league level. I would agree with that. I think the question I'd bounce off you because I think I'm one of the very like one of ten people in the Fires fandom who actually doesn't mind um, Shelton. Do, how much of a problem do you think Shelton is when it comes to this? It's it's a tough question to answer because on one side I'm like I don't think he knows what he's doing, but on the other side I'm like I think he's just taking he he needs to do what Charrington tells him. He needs to trust in Charrington, kind of like almost like a Moneyball situation where. Uh, what's his name? Dennis Hoffman's character is like Art Howe. Yeah, Art Howe. Mm-hmm. Art Howe is just like I. I don't want to do what you want me to do, but I got to do it if I want a job. Mm-hmm. So it, you know, it's one of those situations I think where it's like he he might be too dumb to realize that it's not the real the right thing to do. You know what I mean? Yeah, I do. I mean, I guess I guess for me, I really don't think like he's like dumb. I just think he looks as bad as he does because he's been given the worst roster in baseball for the first three years of his like I, I was in person for this but right. I always go back to the Nationals game you know that day when Brian Reynolds hit three home runs against the Nationals mm-hmm. yeah. we won by one run because Sher- because Shelton knew of this obscure rule about like the po- the ball at the plate or something like that like some, that was some a weird of, it some was sort like of the, dead the ball tagging. like, like like the yeah, tagging, like the ta- that's, that's like the tagging. Yeah. and like the Pirates announcers didn't go know what was going on. The Nationals announcers didn't know what was going on. Mm. I was in the stadium. No one in the stands knew what was going on. But Shelton knew some like obscure rule that saved the Pirates a run, and we ended up winning. And so, and like mm. I actually like felt like he actually like does care for the. I think he does a right. good job of like being like a players' coach, which right, I think is right. the most important because like I, I actually was really a big fan of when he like left Cam Vero out to die. And then the next day, like he came out, like said, like I like apologized, like he said, like he would like lost sleep over it, like the fact that he can like own up to those mistakes and like come out publicly and, in a way that like no one else in the front office seems right. to have the ability to do so. Like I'm more endeared to him, and I so 
I mean, right. And I, I, I'll, I'll give him his credit where it's due. I will, but it's like, I just, I had, I had it. I had the thought. I just flew away. <laughs> but it's like, you know, there's just, uh, oh, the fact that we didn't have the same lineup every day for more than two days at a time. Like how, in my eyes, as, as someone who played JV baseball, this is my thought process. How is someone supposed to get in a rhythm if they're not batting in the same spot every day? You're, you're, mm. you're going to be in a different part of the lineup that has a different responsibility every day. Like one day you're the three hitter. And you're like, all right, my job is to get on base, make sure there's not a double play. Like I don't need to bring in a run. Mm-hmm. But then the next day you're batting first and it's like, oh, I need to get on base. Like, mm-hmm. if I don't get on base, it's a fail to bat. So it's mm-hmm. like you're putting all these different situations in a player's head by putting them in different spots in the lineup every day. It just doesn't make sense to me to get any kind of chemistry going with the lineup or the players or mm-hmm. even moving them around in the field is kind of insane to me. Well, I mean, you're, you're, I was mm-hmm. – I, I was so tired of watching second baseman play right field this year. So right. I, because like we wouldn't roster three outfielders, like I, I, I I'll get to the something else, but I just remember when the first North shore nine post game, like things of the season, I remember you Jim, where it's like, you had to go out and say that you, you can see the value of having a Jake Marisnik because, and because you can see how employing real outfielders wins you games. And the mm-hmm. fact that you even had to say that out loud was like the, the craziest thing because like this is a major league baseball team and and I actually agree like I do think that the Pirates did not do a good job man managing lineups or bullpens this year. My question is how much is it Ben Sherrington in the front office telling Shelton to do that, and how much is that Shelton? Because I I refuse right. to believe that Derek Shelton in good conscience wanted to give Josh Van Meter two hundred bat at bats this season. Right, he, and that's but, why I, I so said like, but, like, I'll give him the credit where it's due. But yeah, listen. and it's so like it, it's just like is it ben, is it the front office telling them, hey, we have these guys, we want to see if we have anyone, so rotate them out every day. Right, it's like or we want to play or, AAA or, ball at, ma- at the major league level. Yeah, is what or is saying. that actually Derek Shelton? Because I, I I'm more than willing to admit it could be Derek Shelton's managing style, and I, I also I'll be honest, I didn't like Derek Shelton um, trotting pitchers out for two innings every single time. Mm-hmm. I don't blame him for it because we didn't have anyone good to go to. So that's why Will Crow's arm got turned into spaghetti. But um, I, I agree. Like yeah. Derek Shelton's not a perfect manager by any means. Um, I just, it, I, we'll never know the answer, how much it's on him and how much it's on the analytics team. I don't think. Right. I think me as right. an angry fan, I'm just like, screw the manager. <laughs> no, I, <laughs> get you. I get you. No, he's so an easy real... face. Yes, sir. Go ahead. All right. So real quick. Before we get too off topic, we talked about pitchers. That's kind of it kind of parlayed itself into a Derek Shelton talk. But um, just so we can stay on on track yeah. here, um, Cody. Yes. Topic. You know i I didn't know, I didn't have a topic coming in here. Unless we just want to keep and talking I, about Derek Shelton. No, no, no. I, I, yeah. I'll get there. Hold on. I had to ask Denardo. I was like, "What? What am I going to talk about?" Right. And he said, "Talk about Jason Kendall." how he's the greatest pirate of all time. Okay. And I think that's a worn out conversation. We've talked about it too much. We know it's a fact. We can't keep talking about it. So I'm going to talk about, and I know it's old news, but I'm not going to talk about his situation specifically. I'm going to talk about the situation as a whole, but Brian Reynolds requesting a trade 
and how there are many players that just are not going to want to play this year. There's no morale. There's no sign of wanting to win. And I think Brian Reynolds is the first public showing of that. Can you think yeah. of something else? Because Brian Reynolds is going to be our topic that I was going to bring up. Oh, you son of a bitch. <laughs> so, okay, I can take this back. I can take this back to whatever, whenever we traded Andrew McCutcheon. All right. When Andrew McCutcheon got traded, yeah, it was like, what the hell are we doing? You could have signed him for a smaller deal for a couple of years, not a long-term deal. But then, all right, they trade him. We're like, oh, shit. Like, what are we going to do? And you think, oh, the players, you know, someone's going to step up. They're going to get it done. The opposite happens. They ask uh, Josh Harrison, like, hey, we want you to be the leader of this team. Josh Harrison says, you just traded away the leader. I'm nobody without him. So you you take you this. Oh, they love to pull the morale out of this team. And I think this is what we're seeing t- today is that you see a front office that's not making moves to win. Obviously, there's a money situation. You can't get around it. No one cares anymore. But there's no real way. There's no real thing bringing this team together to say we want to win. And doing if you wanted to say that, it would go back to what we were talking about earlier about being too patient. Don't be as patient. Bring up Andy, or bring up Henry, uh, Henry Davis. Bring up like we don't have a catcher. If to my knowledge, we don't have a catcher on that MLB roster. We you have, have two in the minors. Yeah, yeah. Andy yeah. Rodriguez. Andy is, is the, is only, the, 40s, the only, only you've catched on the forty minute, and like maybe exactly. Jason. And, and we they, have Jason, and, Jason Delay and Tyler Heineman now. Right, and they said that <laughs> didn't they say Andy's not going to be on the opening day roster? Yep, straight up said like they're not so, going to be there. <laughs> so what are you doing? You're not, you're not giving anybody on the MLB roster a reason to play. Maybe they think, oh. We have Anduhar. Anduhar is going to be the guy that everybody's going to rally around. He had a he had an okay rookie season. Like this is the guy. This is the money. This is the money guy. Like this is going to bring in all the fans. They think, oh, we got an ex-Yankee. He's going to play so well. I don't think Anduhar is going to want to play because he's he's got no. He's going to have no pitcher out there to hold a lead. He's going to be relied on to. Get them runs, him, Cruz, and Reynolds. And then who do you got after that? I mean, I'm not going to get in my hot take yet because I was about to. But I'm not going to. I'll save it. But that you really don't have anybody else that's going to drive in runs and keep this team competitive. And you don't have a pitching staff that is going to be competitive either because they, like we said, they haven't been developed yet because we're too patient. We won't give them the MLB innings. So that's right. my topic, just how so if, this, so if I could this front of, office, this front yeah. office yeah. is just they don't want to give this the players any hope. Mm-hmm. Okay. I mean so just to I, kind of summarize your your topic. My rant, yes. The the pirates, the front office, they don't really seem to care one about the cohesiveness and the togetherness of a locker room and a team and what, what gets people, you know, together to uh, strive for a common goal. Right. That's right. one thing. I think you could also throw in there too. Uh, they also don't really seem to care very much about uh, like their, their players, but they also don't really seem to be 
caring very much about uh, like they're paying customers, the fans in, in the same regard. So uh, a lot of a lot of moves that they've made recently, I guess you could say, you know, <laughs> it's just and, and I don't think it's a smart idea to like do everything to like appease a fan base. Like, I don't think that's how you necessarily run a sports team. Uh, but at the same time, I think it's probably also not smart that like every single thing that you do, like kicks your fans in the nuts. Right. Right. So yeah. I, I, does that kind of summarize? Yeah. Yeah. Where yeah. You're going? And I, I also think this goes back to the Jacob Stallings trade because yeah. Yeah. didn't get much back for that. And we could have had him as our starting catcher until Andy or Henry Davis were ready. Mm-hmm. You know, you could have had a serviceable catcher until you're ready to bring up the star. They got I mean, Zach Thompson. To, Cody. To, to be fair, I mean, as someone, the, the, that trade was lose lose because Jacob Stallings posted like over negative one WAR last year. Like he was, yeah. he would have been like, I think he was genuinely worse than Michael Perez. Like this is how bad we're talking. He was, but right. I do get it because Stallings was a locker room leader. They loved him. He let he liked Pittsburgh. He liked being here, and and I agree. So two points. So first of all, um. First of all, I think Miguel Andujar is like the 11th best hitter in this lineup. So there's that. Um, but I, I really don't think he should be dependent on anything. Second of all, I mean, I, I do think that at least these guys are professionals. And I think actually signing like Carlos Santana is actually a yes. really good signing. I, sorry, I forgot for, about for, Santana. For, for things like that, because I don't think he's going to be like that great player. I think he's going to be a pretty average player. But in terms of keeping the locker room vibes good and helping the young guys play hard and i mean i also, i think that's good and i feel like that'll keep a good clubhouse culture um i also just think you know like as the guys are starting to trickle up you're starting to see a camaraderie because like you have g1 bay and o'neill cruz are like best friends you have ruan z cruz like the dominican guys like who are and so like i feel like there's a culture that can be built here but i 100 percent agree that the front office just has zero regard zero regards for the fans and the on the field products. Like I get it. Like we have no money. And so you think you want to do an Oriole style rebuild, but the difference is, is that Mike Elias and the Orioles front office were transparent with their fans. Right. And didn't demean them or treat them like they're stupid. Um, and like so, like for example, like Mike Elias goes out, and every time, like last year, I hated the move when they sold at the deadline when they were winning games. I hated it, but you know what Mike Elias did? He came out with a statement and explained exactly what they were doing, the thought process, and it gives the fan base something to rally around, like to believe in your mission. And this has been an issue since the Huntington days, and I like Neil Huntington, I like him a lot, but the Pirates' front office has never been transparent. They are silent. I I, I can't even tell you our team's president's name, but he hasn't spoken since 2020. Right. Travis Williams. Yeah. Travis Williams. That's it. Um, yeah. You know, Ben Sherrington. Whenever he gets in front of a camera, it's the exact same thing. It's the exact same. They, they're G, politicking. Talk. They're, yeah, For some like, reason they're politicking, and it's like to who? Yeah, and and, and then like he lies to us. Yeah. Like he lied about it to be, being time to focus on the MLB product. Now I think part of that this offseason is I really don't think the Pirates expected the market to be this crazy, and I think it, mm-hmm. I think that they anticipated being able to spend twenty to thirty million dollars in payroll. But now the market is so insane that Mike Clevenger is going for twelve million dollars, and I don't think they ever could have anticipated that. Um. 
but no, I agree. Like you know, and and canceling Pirates Fest. Yeah, telling you know, you know, if you're gonna, and I, the I one thing like, people look forward to is Pirates. Yeah, Pirate. I've never been, but it sounds like a great time. Uh, you know, they they told the fans straight up by Derek Shelton saying that the their best, most exciting prospects aren't going to be on the opening day roster mm-hmm. because they knew what happened with Cruz and the outrage because they called him up. Like, I am convinced they punished Andy Rodriguez by not calling him up because of the outrage when Cruz got called up and in um, Contreras. And they're like, we're not doing this again. And so it's very hard to trust in a team that does not seem to care whether or not the fans are happy or that the, t- the product is winnable because, you know, you, you are completely right. If the culture sucks and there's no expectation of winning, why should they care? Right. They're only there to compete, to get a paycheck so they can move somewhere else. And right. that's not a healthy locker room culture. Right. And I think you're right where you do have the camaraderie coming up from, you know, the miners, all these guys that know each other, they're their fellow uh, countrymen. That like that's something I love to see, but I just know this front office is going to do something to tear it apart. They're going to trade away like the heart of it, you know. Mm-hmm. Like they're going to find okay, which one of you is like not the quote unquote leader or the guy that is the glue here, and how can we get rid mm-hmm. of you? Yeah, and then I think so you're kind of going. Go ahead. Uh, so, so you think like it's an intentional move by the front office? No, I don't think. <laughs> I don't think it's intentional, but I think they just find a way to do it. And I guess like for me, like the difference between like trading away a guy like Reynolds is I think Reynolds was in the last year. Sorry, it, trading away Reynolds and trading a guy like Kutch away. Kutch was in the last year of his contract and he was declining anyway. And I think what Neil Huntington was good at was retooling. So he got us Brian Reynolds, who was close to MLB ready. And happened to identify like that's where he, when he traded away Tony Watson, that's what it got us O'Neill Cruz. Yeah. Um, when he, it, you know, he kept, you know, he went from Joel Hanrahan to Jason Grilly to Mark Melanson to Felipe Vasquez seamlessly. Like, he was right. able to retool. And I don't know if Ben Sherrington has the ability to retool. I, I don't. I, I, I don't like his trades. I think almost every single trade except the Tyon trade has been pretty underwhelming. And so you don't, you know, it, it takes a, it takes a very special type of GM to create a winning culture in a place like Pittsburgh. And after four, three years now, I don't see Ben Sherrington having, having an interest. Right. Real quick. And then we'll move on to the next topic. Cause I think we've got a good, a good segue here, but you know, I, I and I've said it before, you know, we mentioned just like the transparency aspect, like explaining mm. what you're doing to your fans so that they know what your vision is. And, you know, you have a common goal that you're all kind of looking towards. Uh, I, I kind of bring it back to, you know, the 76ers of, of, you know, seven, eight years ago, where like they somehow got an entire city like excited to tank. Right. And then just mm. like, just trust the process guy, like TTP, right? Like that was a whole thing. And 76ers fans like totally bought into this, you know, because they were like, all right, we got this is our plan. This is our goal. We're going to do this. And then we're going to get this guy, this guy, this guy, this guy. And then we're going to, you know, we're going to compete for world championships. So, um, you know, they, they they somehow got an entire city like excited to to do a rebuilding process. Right. And mm-hmm. I don't know of any other I don't know of any other organization in sports that was able to sell a rebuild like that, like like the like the 76ers were so you know and and it was just a matter of like hey like let's communicate this to our fans get them excited about the future like that's all that 
that's all that they did. Uh, mm-hmm. And and like you said, like the Pirates, kind of the entire step here. The, I don't think Ben Sherrington still to this point. We're four years into this. I don't think he's still ever ever mentioned the word rebuild, <laughs> like at at all. He like he has to. not said that word. It's almost uh, like it's almost like he wants to have the mentality of the Steelers, like because the Steelers will never say it either. They'll never right. say they're doing a rebuild, but it's what they're doing. Um, yeah. I think he wants to. He's like, all right, well, people like the Steelers, right? They never say they rebuild. So we should never rebuild. Mm-hmm. It's like, no, 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 no. It's, you're missing a degree there. Like, that's, yeah. that's not how it works. Well, I, I, he he's fully rebuilding, if, even if he won't say it. Like, I mean, right. like, you, you don't throw out the teams of the last three years if you aren't intentionally trying to lose as many games as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, no, just, like, transparency. Like, you know, explain why trades happen. Like, you know, or explain why we went after Vince Full. Like, like, but you can't say – we have the financial flexibility to sign one or two starting pitchers, one of them to a multi-year deal, and then go out and get a reliever and convert him into a starting pitcher. Because what does that convey to the fan base? You know, like, you know, if, if you were surprised by the market, that's fine. I get it. But like, and it's not your fault that Bob Nunning's the worst owner in professional sports. Like, it's really not. But um, like, don't lie to us, you know? Like literally, <laughs> if they just came out and said, listen, we don't got the money for it. I'd be happy. Be like, At I, least I, you're telling me the truth. I, I wouldn't be happy, but like, I wouldn't be like my. I would be tweeting a lot more about Bob Nutting than I am Ben Sherrington. Right, right. <laughs> I think I do that already. <laughs> <laughs> so the segue that I talked about, we you know we've mentioned his name a few times here, right? And as far mm-hmm. as you know, trading away the heart and soul of a team, or you know, the player that that everybody likes. Uh, you know, it's, it's a little bit old news here, but it's still relevant and there's still a lot of chatter around it. But we're, we're about two weeks after news broke that, uh, you know, after contract extensions fell through, Brian Reynolds has requested a trade off of this team. Uh, so I guess my question, we'll start off with we'll start off with Cody and then we'll go over to Neil. But um, one. Should the Pirates trade Brian Reynolds, should they just accept his request and trade him Two. Why do you think that it's gotten to this point uh, and, and should have ever gotten to this point? Uh, and three, you know, if, if we're trading him, what, what kind of return are we looking at? Like getting? Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, go back to the first part. Should we, it was, it was, should, should the pirates, we... should the pirates go ahead okay. and, and fulfill his request to trade? So I do not think we should fill, fulfill his request. I think it goes back to what we were just talking about. I think they should just buy into building a winning culture um, because it's, they haven't done it. Uh, I think this is – if you build into winning culture, if you say you're a player-first team, you need to put your money where your mouth is. Not not actual money because we know they don't have it. But you need to put your actions where your mouth is. You need to mm-hmm. actually do these things. Mm-hmm. And I don't think we've seen it. Uh, they might – they might uh, argue that, oh, yeah, we did because we gave Cabrian Hayes a contract. It's like, okay, you gave the guy we knew needed a contract a contract. But what are you doing for these other guys? Uh, coming back to the thing with O'Neill Cruz and bringing up, uh, you know, all the, all the guys, you know, the fellow countrymen, the, that camaraderie, do it. Mm-hmm. Bring those people up. Build the winning culture so that Reynolds takes back that request. Not that he can, but. That he says, oh, I don't want to be traded anymore. Do the okay. things you promised so that he decides, 
I want to stay. Mm-hmm. Um, second part, what was it? You know what? Let's let's go. We'll okay, go back yeah. to Neil. Neil. Okay. Uh, so build the request. Yes or no? Uh, so this is going to tie into number three because I was kind of ambivalent about it because I, I you don't want unhappy players in the locker room and even though Brian Reynolds is not the guy who would stop trying or would cause a stink about it, like you also don't want that like to be in there, but. After the Sean Murphy trade broke and we saw the absolute garbage that the Oakland Athletics got for a Brian Reynolds similar. So like Brian Reynolds is a top 10 player at his in a premium position with three years of control going into ARB. He's extremely cheap. Sean Murphy is a top five catcher in baseball with three years of control and is extremely cheap. And right now the trade market is dead. It is clear that teams would rather spend lots of money on free agents rather than give a prospect capital. And so with this in mind, I just don't see a world where we would get a return that is worthwhile to not just keep Brian Reynolds around for the next three years. Because it seems to me the goal is to compete in 2024. That's when most of the prospects are going to be up. Um, and that's the idea of like, that's when we're going to start trying to win baseball games. And so if that's the case and the trade market isn't going to return anything, you might as well keep Reynolds around for the last three years of his contracts and let him help build that winning culture where we start winning baseball games. And then, you know, if we start winning baseball games, then maybe Bob is willing to pay up and meet Reynolds asking price. So I don't see a, good reason at the moment to trade Reynolds unless we just get absolutely blown away with the package you bring up a good point about the, the Murphy trade and it's it's a link that I hadn't really thought of before uh, you just mentioned it they are very similar in terms of like their 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 current value right mm-hmm. um, yeah like that those are good those are good parallels to kind of look at um, and, and and like you mentioned definitely not not the return that I think Oakland fans are probably very thrilled with in that, no. in that trade. Uh, so no, that's, that's a good point there. So I guess leading to number, number two now, um, I guess, who do you blame? Like whose fault is this? Whose fault is it that, that we've gotten to this point? Cody? I, I, Neil's not going to like this, but I think it's Sh- Shelton's fault. Okay. I think Shelton hasn't done I don't think he's done enough to keep these guys happy in the major leagues. Save the hot takes for the end of the show. Man. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, it's not even my hot take. Uh, but like we talked about, it's like, is he just doing what Charrington tells him to do or is he actually doing these things? Uh, like, I don't like, he, like, how can you be happy seeing a different lineup every day as a player? Like, how can you be happy with the decisions that have been made? that's causing you to lose baseball games. Obviously there's that one with the nationals where it caused them to win, but you're mm-hmm. losing more than you're winning. So therefore mm-hmm. <laughs> I just don't think he's doing enough to keep these players happy. Okay. Okay. Now, that's um, a good point. Cause I mean, you could definitely point to a lot of, a lot of instances throughout the course of the last you know couple of years where it's like, what are we doing? Are we, are we trying to lose this game? And, and right. you know, the yeah. players, if, if we're seeing that as fans, the players are also seeing that too. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I am going to disagree, and it's only because of this. And it's because of all those comments that came out around the deadline 
where Reynolds was doing nothing but talking positively about the Pirates. Like he said, I want to be here. I don't want to be traded. I like the city of Pittsburgh. I think there's a lot. He even cited like there's a lot of young talent coming up. I'm excited about the future. And so my only logical thing that I can look at is say, okay, how do we go from five months ago, him saying this to now I want to trade. And it's a simple answer, but it's Bob Nutting. And it has to be that he made an insulting offer that isn't worth Reynolds's trade value, market value. So I feel like Reynolds probably values himself around what, say, Brandon Nimmo got. Brandon Nimmo is making about $20 million a year over seven years, I think. Eight. Eight, eight years, eight. 162. Yeah. So, yeah, so he got paid. And sure, you can leak to the press that we offered to make Brian Reynolds the most paid player in Pirates history, but that means nothing. Brian, we, we, we don't have a single contract that's ever exceeded $100 million. And so it's a problem that we've had, and it's the core problem of the Pirates, and it is Bob Nutting's refusal to spend on quality players. I will say I saw this one interesting take on Twitter. I don't, I'm not going to say it's true, but basically... It's the idea that after the Polanco extension, Bob Nutting said, all right, we cannot have anything like that again. And so I'm not going to give clearance to these long-term deals for guys like Reynolds who are about to approach into their 30s. I don't know if it's true, but like it would make at least some sort of sense as to why, because like you, you have to keep your best players around and you ha- and they're going to want money. And so I, I do think the root of the problem is Bob. And I, I, it's hard for me to blame Sherrington because there's no GM in baseball that wouldn't want Arnold's here long-term. No, I think that's a good point. And I think, I think kind of going back, what kind of makes this all frustrating is, and, and I forget who kind of mentioned it, but I remember you know somebody brought up this fact, like the Pirates have this, outrageous asking price for Brian Reynolds. It's, it's the only, it's like the one thing that everybody kind of is, it says about the pirates and Brian Reynolds being available is the pirates asking price is astronomical. No one has come, has been able to reach their asking price yet. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of frustrating if you're Brian Reynolds, like, and you hear that because you're like, well, hold on. <laughs> you think I'm so good that the only way that you're going to get rid of me is some sort of astronomical, astronomical return in a trade. But at the same time, you don't think I'm worth what I think I'm worth to, to to stay on the team, right? So it's kind of one of those things where, like, you know, there was some sort of disconnect in, in, in whether that's maybe Ben Sherrington saying, hey, I don't know if I want to allocate this many years to Brian Reynolds, or it's Bob Nutting saying, hey, you can't allocate this many years in, in money to Brian Reynolds. I, I don't think we're going to really know the full story until – like at some point, hopefully we find out like what was mm-hmm. this offer that yeah. was presented to Brian Reynolds that was so disrespectful, basically, that he yeah. was like, I want out. Like I got to get traded. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm curious to kind of see what exactly that offer is. Um, but uh, it sounds cool. like it sounds like we're both not in favor of trading him, essentially. But, Neil, you said, you know, maybe maybe if that astronomical astronomical price is met. Yeah, then so maybe. basically, like, my feeling is, is, like, Reynolds mm-hmm. should be, if he's traded, it should be for cheap, young, controllable starting pitching. I'm not really interested in prospects for Brian Reynolds. Um, because 
you know, like, why would we just keep kicking the can down the road? If the right. goal is 2024 and we have mm-hmm. to trade Brian Reynolds, go get something of MLB value. So that's where I see like a trade partner, like the Rangers or the Marlins or the Mariners, like actually being realistic because they have those targets, but the Marlins are being pretty stingy. They won't give up Yuri Perez, which is fair, but like maybe someone like a Logan Gilbert or a George Kirby from the Mariners would be suitable, but like, I don't see any team meeting that price because how valuable starting pitching is in this league. Hmm. There's nothing more valuable than years of control on your starters. So I don't see any reason to ship them off because no one's going to meet the price. Yeah. All right. Well, there we go. That settles it. No Brian Reynolds trade. <laughs> but if we do do it, <laughs> yeah, who's in that package? Um, if we do, I, I, I agree. I don't, I don't think I necessarily care. Like personally, I don't think I care whether that talent is a pitcher, whether that talent is an outfielder, whether that talent is a, you know, whatever. I, mm-hmm. I, I'll take the, the best available trade, like as long as it meets whatever that threshold is. Mm-hmm. But I think, I think in order to trade him, yeah. Like, I mean, you, you're talking about a guy, three years of control, uh, you know, all-star caliber player. He's, he doesn't cost a lot of money. We've seen that, that the market is exploding. So, you know, a player like him is very valuable because he doesn't cost a whole lot of money. Um, yeah, if, if, if a trade is going to happen, like it needs to, it needs to be an overpay. Like a team needs to overpay for Brian Reynolds if, if a trade is going to happen, in my opinion. So, um, all right. So that concludes our. Oh, you don't know what a, you don't want to know who would be in my package? Who would be in your package, Cody? Well, let's talk. As about someone who lives <laughs> about 15, 20 minutes away from the Bronx. Oh, no. All right. <laughs> and I've been to a couple Yankee games last season. I'm basically going to name you my favorite, like, underrated Yankees players that I would want for Brian Reynolds. Okay. Starting with Jason Dominguez. Not very uh, underrated, but hey, you, you, that's, your pro- that's your prospect that you add into yeah. the pool. Yeah. Jason Dominguez. Uh, I would add on to that Domingo German. I would add IKF because I love IKF. IKF's my guy. You might and be then... the only person in New Jersey who believes that. I'm loving a Yankee fan. Listen, I love IKF. I'm a big IKF guy. Uh, and give me Oswaldo Cabrera. Right. So, like Cabrera. Uh, just because he's young, he's twenty three. Yeah, no, I know. I mean, I get that. So, I, I think the Yankees. I think the Yankees have the capital to execute a, a Brian Reynolds trade. It's just a matter of like, are they willing to 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 give up something to, to give it up? Um, I think there are a, quite a few teams that make good trade partners. I think the Yankees are one of them. Um, you know, Neil brought up the Mariners, definitely. Um, you know, I would even like. I know a lot of people are down on them. Like, like if talking about the Mariners, like I would be fine with throwing in Jared Kelenic in that deal and just seeing what happens. Like, I would be okay with the throw in, but if he's the centerpiece of the deal, I'm going yeah, to jump off a building. It. Yeah, um, like he can't be the centerpiece, but like but, throw him yeah. in there and 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 see. Like, now I got a trade partner. Now a lot of people are talking about. I would think the Texas Rangers are also pretty good because then we could get a package center around like mid. Um, I think his name is Evan Carter. Um, Evan Carter. Yep. Um, let me just check. I'm going to Fangraphs right now just to make sure I got my names right. Um, like, like 
Owen White, who is of like a, like Owen White and Evan Carter, just like these really big studs who were like climbing through the the Mount Miners really fast. Like I'd be okay with that. Um, but yeah, I, I, but just like for comparison's sake, and I'm not saying Reynolds is as good as this player, but Brian Reynolds over the past two seasons has an OPS plus of 136, 51 home runs, and 10, and 11 WAR. Juan Soto has an OPS plus of 135, 56 home runs in a total war of 12.5. And so when the Pirates are asking for a Juan Soto type package, like executives have leaked, I don't think they're that crazy to believe, even right. if he is four years older. And I'm, and I'm yeah. not saying I'm not saying that Brian Reynolds is as good as Juan Soto. Like I, I, I wouldn't, I would never do that. Juan Soto is a generational talent, but like I think I, th- I, th- I think people underrate how good Brian Reynolds is. I think the only reason that other organizations thinks that think they think that that's insane is because they know the Pirates won't be able to capitalize on what on the return. I think that's the biggest thing is they know they've seen this happen with the Pirates before, mm. and with Brian Reynolds. Like, oh, you got Brian Reynolds in the Andrew McCutcheon trade, but you still haven't won anything since mm-hmm. rebuilt, retooling that, as we like to say here. So, like, I feel like teams are like, why would we waste a trade on you if we're just getting Brian Reynolds? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Well, and I think I think the value probably isn't that far off too, because Reynolds has you know that extra year too. Yeah. You know, he's where... what, making like he's making what like six and a half million this year. Yeah. So like there's value in making less money and having him longer. Like there's value yeah. in that. So all right. So thanks guys. That concludes our pirates talk. So let's kind of get into like hot oh, takes. No hot I takes. Are, oh, I, I thought the hot, hot takes, takes for pirates. pirates. Yeah, hot, hot okay. takes for pirates. That's what I was told. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> so uh let's go. I mean, you already made a pretty hot take, Cody, but let's let's go with your I hot have another. take. Let's go with your hot take. Oh, me or Neil? You, you. Oh, your turn. Yeah, go with your hot take. Um, hold on. Uh, yeah, because Brian Hayes is a waste of money. Uh, wow. You, you look at the season he had last year. I know. I know we're not going to rely on him for his offense, but when you don't have pitching, you kind of need a guy with some offense. He had forty-one RBIs, seven home runs. Sure, he had twenty stolen bases. I like the twenty stolen bases. But the other question is, is he going to keep this consistent? Is he going to improve? I don't see it. I see him as a gold glover defensively, but offensively, what's he going to help us with? I think at best he'll be a Josh Josh Harrison caliber player, and that's just what it's going to be. I just feel like he's a waste of money, and he's not going to win us games offensively. And in this MLB today, I think that's what you need. Is runs. I think in any MLB, in any in any era of baseball, you need you know gonna like that you need take? to score it's runs so, to win the game. I, 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 Mike's I, gonna like that take. Yes, I, 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 I do. Not, <laughs> I, I am shocked. I do not like that take at all because I mean, his, I'm not gonna say his offense is disappointing, but he is not making that much money, even for the Pirates. Like, like even wow. for the even even for the Pirates, when we were spending money, it was not uncommon to give guys eight nine million dollars a year. And even in terms of Bob Nunning's pockets, I legitimately don't think that we're missing out on a Reynolds extension or a Cruz extension because of Cabrian Hayes's contract. It is so team friendly. Um, it is almost asinine. And 
Cabrian Hayes is still an extremely valuable player, even if the offense is just isn't there. Like it, as a even if he's a league average bat, he is good for three of the four wins above replacement every single year. For example, in the current rate, I believe that for war per like if you want to put a dollar amount on war, it's eight million dollars. And he is doubling or tripling or quadrupling that every year. And, and I, I think even if he doesn't improve that much as a hitter, and I think as JT Brubaker will say after the atrocious defense he had to suffer this year, he was the unluckiest pitcher in baseball. Having a guy like Brian Hayes at the corner makes everything easier and it can help pick up a pitching staff that struggles. So I think I, I understand where you're coming from, but I just don't think the money's bad enough to be, make him a waste of money. I mean, I like runs. Hey, it's a hot take for a reason. It's a hot take yeah, for a reason. I, 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 I like the yeah. – it's way hotter than my take, so I applaud you. <laughs> All right. I pander, so I, pander, hot, uh, I pander to the fan base of Bucko Mike. It's, yeah. Bucko Mike is my idol. Um, But, yeah, um, my hot take, the Pirates should trade Henry Davis. I Ooh. am not high on Henry Davis as a prospect. I think his the fact he's not going to stick at catcher. I just don't see it. Like his his defensive grades in the minors haven't been good, and his wrist injuries are really proving fatal to that bat right now. Um, I've read reports from him in the winter league about how his makeup isn't looking good, and in Double A he's really struggling. And with the advent of Andy Rodriguez looking like a potential superstar. I feel like trading Davis because, I mean, at this point, he's going to be a first baseman. And if he realizes that potential, it's the first real first baseman we've had since, what, Derek Bell? And that would be great. But I feel like I don't trust it at the moment, and I would trade him for major league help to a rebuilding team while his value is still high because I don't think the value is going to go high that much higher. So Cody says Brian Hayes isn't worth it. Yeah. Neil says Henry Davis from my alma mater, the Louisville Cardinals, isn't worth it. Not doing yourself any favors here, Neil. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I've harassed Jim on Twitter enough about the Louisville Cardinals. So, you know, I, I've already dug my grave. <laughs> you know what, too? Another take that Bucko Mike would completely agree with. Really, and you know, I think that's why I kind of Bucko Mike hates Bucko Mike hates Henry Davis. <laughs> I don't hate Henry Davis, but I think he made some great points I, on why I, it's I, a great I, time to. I don't, I don't, I don't. won't say hate is the right word because I still think he can become a serviceable major league player, but I don't think the bat is going to be worth it since he's probably going to move move into first base or corner outfield, and with or or DH, and those guys have to mash and. His pop-up rate, like the fact he's not getting good contact on the ball, it really worries me in 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 the minors. So so we agree, corner infielders need to mash, right? Yes, but Davis doesn't bring the defensive value that Cabrian Hayes has. <laughs> <laughs> but we agree on that point. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Listen, all I, right. I, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Pirates better not trade right. Henry Davis. Pirates trade Henry Davis. I'm done. you'd probably be okay with it if we had Andy start in the majors and he's a superstar yeah that's what i'm saying i I, I, I honestly completely forgot about the louisville connection that makes it even better that that makes it even a spicier hot take 
Oh, man. <laughs> All right. So, okay. Well, hey, guys, I appreciate both of you coming on. One last question, non-Pirates related. Mm-hmm. Um, Neil, you're a history teacher. I am. I'm a, I'm a pretty good history buff, too. All right. What would you – what is your – What's your favorite war? I knew it. <laughs> What's your favorite war and why? Oh, There's man. a right answer. Now, to no, this no wars are good, right? Like war yeah, is yeah. bad. But like, what's your favorite so, war to go down? I probably have. I probably have two, and they're pretty extremely basic. But because I grew up in Virginia, the Civil War is just so fascinating to me. I grew up going to all the battlefields, like driving around with my family, walking around. I got the camp as a Boy Scout at Gettysburg. Um, I even almost applied. I almost worked at Gettysburg for summers, like those people who dress up in uniform. All right. So the, 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 the politics around the Civil War, the fact that like the entire nation was like thrown apart, like the, you know, the tyranny from the north of like, you know, like throwing all the Maryland state senators in jail. But also it's like it's also just like the advent of modern warfare with like new technologies that were meant to kill as many people as possible, like. There is just so much the Civil War has to offer that it I, I could spend years learning more about it and I wouldn't be upset. Uh, another shout out is the second, um, uh, like the Hannibal, wow, the Punic War, second Punic War. Okay, see, that's that's an obscure one. A lot of people yeah. might not know about those. Right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but that would be mine. Yeah, no, I'm a big, big Civil War nerd right here. Been mm. to all the battlefields too, so I know I know I know all that. Cody, see, favorite thought, war. See, I thought there was a right answer to this question. I no, there's it no was... right answer. No, no, no there is because I've been in the group chat and I believe yeah. the right answer is the War of 1812. Yeah, Ooh. also an interesting <laughs> war. One that I don't know much about. I feel one, like lo- well, you it know, was why? one in school where we had just like skimmed over it. You know, it's... You, we skim over the ones that we lose. Exactly. Well, uh, we skim over the one. There's just too much history in the like. There's too much stuff to go over in the U.S. curriculum. Like trying to squeeze it all as someone with experience of trying to do it, it is a nightmare. But I well, like U.S. history, I feel like in school it was like you learn all about you know the beginning parts, and then it's like once you get like Civil War, Reconstruction, and then the rest of it's just like oh, and then there was the 1900s. When you have such limited time, you have to pick and choose what you think the most important are. Mm-hmm. And so what I've learned is I don't think it's like maliciousness. I just think it's like people who decided 50 years ago what the most important events that every kid had to learn. And we kind of haven't moved off of that. Whether, so whether you agree or disagree yeah. with it, that's kind of like what we got. No, so Cody, I, why? Why is the no okay? No, I don't know. I, I just know that that's what you and Ryan <laughs> talk about all the time. My real answer is okay. World War One. Okay. Ooh, I love I love I World love War World War One because it's solely trench warfare, very wild stuff. I mean, we talk I, about in talking about innovations and like right. new ways to yeah kill mass to kill people. people. World War One's definitely yeah. you know. Um, no man's land is fucking wild like and just watching like you're, there's more movies being made about world war one now you have mm-hmm. 1917 which is one of my favorite movies right now i yeah, watched it when it go. first came out it was amazing i was like this is so intense i just started watching um 
uh, the new one that came out. It's a German all, film. Yeah, All Quiet on the Western Front. Yeah, and All I'm, Quiet I'm, on the Western I'm gonna, Front. I'm going to watch that with my parents over my Christmas break. I'm kind of excited. It's a long <laughs> one. It's like two hours and 45 minutes. So You're, You were right up my alley. Yeah. <laughs> I, started, I started watching it, and then I saw how long it was. I'm like, I'm not watching this right now. I was like, this is too intense for me to watch right now. Yeah. But that's mm-hmm. one that's on my list to watch. And just, yeah, just mm-hmm. the, the trench warfare and the, the ways – the innovation of killing and just you also had to be concerned about trench foot like trench foot's insane like yeah. you could literally just okay. be like oh it rained today for like 20 minutes my foot's about to fall okay. off so like, one, of what? My, one of my favorite things as a teacher is when we get to the world war one unit and showing all my poor seventh graders pictures of trench foot right yeah it is that traumatized the, me as it, a it, it is the best day <laughs> But yeah, just like even like the disease, even though it wasn't really a war known for its like, you know, chemical warfare, I guess a little Mm -hmm. bit with mustard gas, but like just something biological like that, that's just, it's going to happen to both sides. Like there's no way of stopping it. Yeah. It's kind of insane. All right. I will will also shout out Mm -hmm. King Philip's War. You've probably never heard of it, but it is fascinating and I would highly recommend everyone look into it. King Philip's War. Yeah, okay. between the colonists in New England and the Native American tribes in the surrounding area, fascinating war. Okay, I don't know that one. I'll check it out. All right, one hour and nine minutes. I think we went a little bit longer than everybody else, but like just by a little bit. So, no, I appreciate you guys, Cody. Again, thanks for coming on, holding down the fort, Neil. No glad that we were able to to finally get you uh, squeezed yeah. in here. I Thank had a great so time. Much. Thank you. Yeah. It was this was fun. Hope uh hope you guys both enjoyed it. Um yeah. and uh yeah, that's all I got. I think this will be posted up either tonight or tomorrow or sometime. We'll let you guys know. Well, hey, uh yeah. just to just to give yeah. myself a shout out here. Everybody watch NS9 Bets. NS9 Bets is a good time. We it's it's a fun time or what what's the saying? They're just saying. It's like, You're the one saying. <laughs> <laughs> it's like it's been it's been real. It's been fun, but it has been real fun. That's and that's not yeah, bad. Yeah. It's real. That. It's fun, but it's not real fun. Got uh, it. All right. But we have the the bowl season episodes coming out. First episode comes out Thursday. Second episode second episode comes out Sunday. So that'll give you everything you need to know about bowl bowl season. And we have more episodes coming out. There's six episodes total. So real quick, who's winning the Fenway Bowl? I forget who I. I think I said Louisville on the podcast. It, that Let's comes go. out Thursday. Who, who is Louisville Park. playing? Cincinnati. Cincinnati. It's a yeah. whole cluster. Oh, oh that, yeah. I'm taking. I'm taking Louisville. Cincinnati's kind of yeah, in shambles yeah. right now. <laughs> yeah, that game. That game. I think that's the game we talked the most about because there's there's the most happening. Like, so do you do you win the keg of nails if you win that bowl game too? Yeah. Yes. The, um, yeah. We are we are bringing the keg of nails. To that Boston. is the. That is the best trophy. I love it so much. It's an amazing trophy. It's going to be great. But uh, other than that, we do NS9Bets live. We've changed it to Sundays, Sunday mornings, Sunday noon. So if you want to know what we're doing for the NFL slate, that's where you can catch us is Sunday at noon. There you go. Make sure you chime in. Just do the opposite of what they pick, and then you're good. Yeah. All right, guys. Appreciate you all. Again, thank you, Cody. Thank you, Neil. I'm Jim. Peace out, guys. See ya.
See you guys.